Hello, welcome to the Artie Pod. My name is Maria Monares and I am today's host. Just a quick reminder for those of you who are new listeners. This is a podcast created by the Alumni Relations and Development Department at Jumpstart, created to connect with our alumni. The podcast will have a, fit, a heavy focus on education, stories, career advice, and more. This week, we will be talking to alumni who are teachers as part of our Teacher Appreciation Week. Teacher Appreciation Week is celebrated in the first full week of May from May 1st through May 8th this year. This year, we wanted to celebrate our teachers by sharing their stories with all of you. Thank you for joining us, Gladys and Leslie. We are so happy that you are here today with us. And we are going to start just by you sharing a little bit about yourself, telling us maybe your education path and career path. So we, uh, why don't you start by introducing yourself, uh, maybe share your pronouns and then share your story. Uh, Gladys, would you like to go first? <laughs> awesome. Yes. And thank you so much, Maria, for inviting us on. Um, it's really an honor to be here. Um, my name is Gladys Villanueva. My preferred pronouns are ella, she, her, and hers. And um, I, I have to share, I just recently had the opportunity to join Stephanie's first workshop on resume building, and she's just absolutely amazing. And I really loved how she introduced, you know, her life story and where her career path took her as this, like, beautiful and intricate visual of a squiggly line, you know, and it, it in a sense, really gave me permission to, like, uh, reflect on on all of that has happened in my life, and so I'm sure I'm gonna miss something. But but here's um, a, a little glimpse into I guess my life and my history. I grew up in Mexico. My uh, my family is from Hermosillo, Sonora, and and I went to school there up until um, second grade. We immigrated to the U.S. when I was about eight years old, so I went to a migrant school. Um, in third grade, and I got pulled out of class to learn English. Um, I do remember that very clearly. Um, I don't remember her name. I think maybe it was Miss Yolanda. And we were in like this very small room, you know, with a bunch of other um, children that were learning English. And I just remember having like a heavy packet <laughs> of like just English words to learn in like alphabetical order. I share that story because I have a very like short memory of it, but it's very relevant to the work that I do now. And and it's coming back to me slowly, you know. So I learned English in about a year in that uh, in that time, and then um, we moved to California. I, I had a difficult time adjusting um, because I would constantly get in trouble for speaking. <laughs> so um, instead of like being celebrated for having learned, you know, like the English language, yeah, um, yeah. I, I was constantly in detention. <laughs> I remember that um, that that experience clearly just before, I think that was about fifth grade. And then I did sixth grade at Jane Addams Elementary School, which is actually uh, in my neighborhood around here. So um, Mrs. Clark is is really one of my, my wonderful teachers that I remember from there. Um, Let's see. I went to Owena Middle School, which um, <laughs> my mouth fills with pride when I say that because uh, my, my nephew goes there. And so I get to build community there as well. It's not too far from where I currently live with my partner. And um, during my experience there at Owena, I had some leadership training through AVID. Um, I think it's advancement via individual determination. So it's definitely a, um, a leadership based um, uh, program that I think like really helped me find a place because, you know, middle school is difficult. <laughs> um, but I, uh, I know that it gets a little harder after that. So I, I instead of going to Fresno High, which was my home school, I went to a polytechnical high school because one of my mentors 
um, at Wawona really pushed me to apply. And so, so I went to, to a polytechnical high school instead of Fresno High, which I'm recently kind of sort of um, regretting a little bit, just learning about the richness of Fresno High. Hopefully Leslie gets to talk a little bit more about that. But I graduated early, uh, not, not early, but I was young. Like I was 17 when, when I graduated high school. And so um, I wasn't sure what I was going to do. And I was too young to, to join the military and my mom wouldn't sign. So I, I, I wanted to go to the Air Force and she's like, no, I don't want to sign. <laughs> so by the time I turned 18, I had already got, gotten admitted at Fresno State. And so I started going um, there. And so my, my, my uh, education journey began at Fresno State kind of sort of unexpectedly. I mean, I did apply, you know, but I think I had my heart set on the military and it didn't, it didn't pan out. I, um, I, I wanted to go for criminology because I had taken a couple of courses at, at, at my high school for criminology and I was really into the show CSI. <laughs> I don't remember that yes, show. of course. <laughs> so naturally I wanted to be like Sarah, right? So I, I thought, oh, I'm going to be a forensic pathologist or, you know, a crime scene investigator. And uh, Fresno State has a really good program for that. Um, but yeah, I ended up changing my major a few times and, and Jumpstart has something to do with that. So I'll share a little bit more about that later. I'm so glad you shared that. I mean, I feel like we all wanted at some point to be, you know, Sarah, every because that show was so popular and it was so good and she was so badass, you know, you just yeah. wanted to do that. Um, and I, I mean, like you said, when uh, Stephanie talks about her career path or just in general, I think anybody's path, we all see it as like we're getting from point A to point B, but it's never a linear um you know, transition from point A to point B. It's always, and sometimes you don't even get to the point that you thought you were going to get to. So thank you for sharing that. <laughs> um, all right, Leslie. <laughs> thank you for having me, Maria. So uh, we're sisters, right? Um, and uh, so I'm Leslie Magana, and I'm a teacher. I'm currently teacher of record for sixth grade classroom in Fresno Unified. Um, and so, you know, it's really cool to hear um, Gladys's story because even though we grew up together, um, it's just testament of like how different of um, a life we lived and you know our perspectives and taking everything in. And she said that we came to America when we were eight. And I remember, I think my earliest memory of being here in the United States was when I was like 10. We were in fourth grade. We were already in California living in Fresno. And um, I was already attending Jane Addams Elementary School. So, um, and I'm sorry, I did so poorly on my introduction. So let me say that again. I'm Leslie Magana and my pronouns are she and her. And um, and yeah, so I'm a teacher, a sixth grade teacher at Fresno Unified. Um, so back to like my education career. Um, I, don't, I don't think I ever wanted to be a teacher um, growing up. Uh, so once it came time to, um, I went to um, Jane Addams and Wawana Middle School as well. But then for high school, I just stuck to my local high school. I didn't have, you know, I didn't have a cool mentor that told me like, hey, there's other options. Um, and so I just kind of did the route that you do. You you go to your feeder school. And so I ended up at Fresno High Um and at Fresno High, it was uh, very much like um, a positive experience for me. I was very involved. Um, I know depending on who you are and your cultural background, 
Um, it is uh, such a cool school. It's the oldest high school in our city. Um, there's so much tradition. There's uh, beautiful architecture. Um, and then there's a lot of diversity as well. And so uh, attending Fresno High, I got the best of both worlds. Um, I had, you know, the opportunity to take IB classes, uh, which, you know, if people don't know, they're equivalent to AP, um, or you can earn college credit and take tests. Um, and then I also took some regular high school courses. Um, and through that, I think it was just a, a really cool um, point of growth for me because I got to deal with different populations of classmates. And so being in IB classes, you know, I got to uh, work with some of the kids that, you know, have opportunities or were like me who were making those opportunities for themselves, right? And then in the uh, in the inverse, you know, I got to work and uh, make friends with kids who were um, from all different backgrounds. And so um, in high school, I was uh, in leadership. I was super involved. I was in athletics. Um, and through that, I think it helped build my confidence. And um, and so once it came time to go to Fresno State, uh, then I was like, I don't really know what I want to do. But I had spent, you know, four years of my high school life working on an art portfolio. And I felt like I was leaning towards that, like, oh, I want to go to school and, you know, expand my art expertise. Um, but then also part of me was like, I'm not too convinced. I don't know if that's what I want. And so once uh, I went to college, then um, Gladys actually helped me a lot uh, in ways that, you know, people might not think matter, but like she's the one that um, took me to admissions. She's the one that told me about FAFSA. Um, she's the one that told me about work study, which started my journey with Jumpstart. And so um, so that was, you know, really helpful, especially for for a kid like me where like our family is present, but, you know, we're surviving. Right. And so we don't have that like, uh, you know, we innately want to do well and we want to make a better life for ourselves. But like if we don't have people who are there uh, to show us the way then it just gets difficult and so you know thanks Gladys because I really appreciate your involvement <laughs> and you know I get a little bit like choked up but she doesn't realize that like even though you um were living your life you still made time and um helped me move forward and so during my freshman year in college I did a lot of things because I was like if I'm going to commit to be a teacher like I want to know that this is the right path for me and so I did, um, there's a, an awesome professor, her name was Paulette Fleming in the art department at Fresno State. And she had this whole program where she would take um, students that were either aspiring teachers or aspiring art majors, and we would go out into communities. Um, and like, let's say an apartment complex has, you know, a rec center or a um, hall that they use for their complex. Um, so we would turn uh, on Saturday mornings, we would turn that place into like an art workshop and we would teach lessons to kids in the neighborhood. Um, and so I did that for like one semester and I was like, wow, you know what? Um, I can do both. I can take some art courses and I can also be a teacher um, or I can just be a teacher 
uh, without like stressing on a double major, you know, um, focus on on teaching and then later on come back to it because it's just such an awesome field. There's so many opportunities in every walk of life, right? It's not something that like you want to secure a job in right now because you develop it over time, I feel. Um, and so I, I that's when I realized, well, and then also, you know, um, in conjunction with the art program on Saturdays, I was also doing Jumpstart because of, you know, to have a job, I was doing work study um, and Jumpstart was my option because Gladys was in it and Gladys was like, you should do it. It's awesome. Like, you know, and she was always very much into working with kids um, uh, since, you know, we started um, becoming closer after like, you know, getting out of high school. So she was like, you should do Jumpstart. And I was like, okay, cool. So I did. Uh, and through that, uh, I think I took a lot more from it than, um, you know, I expected because um, I did, I do have some lifelong friendships from my, my little cohort of people that uh, work together. Um, you know, we're not close because we're in different cities, essentially, but I can still, you know, we still follow each other on social media. So we built community from that group. Um, and then the collaboration aspect of uh, being on a team. I remember our lead. I, I forget what, you know, our lead was called for our site. It, or is it just lead? Team leader. Team, yeah. yeah, our team leader. Yeah. So our team leader, um, Karina, she was uh, an awesome leader. You know, she was slightly older than the rest of us on the team. And she was just like uh a very caring person she she was very straightforward as well um and so I don't know very many jobs or organizations where you have to meet and then evaluate each other at such a young age and then like to be so reflective as a young college student um or learn from those situations I I felt like that was definitely invaluable and um such a big part of like my journey as an educator um, and so fast forward to, you know, I, I did jumpstart, I believe I did it for two years. And then I left because um, things started getting crazy. And um, schedule wise, I, I had to take courses during the times I would be at, at the sites. Um, but, but upon leaving, you know, I already had that, that choice made where I was going to continue um, in education. So, so it did play a huge part in my early college years in, in, really solidifying like, hey, am I good at this or am I going to do this well? Or is this something that I could sustain for myself? Um, can I make it my life's work? And and I definitely felt my heart called to that. And then I went, you know, and I graduated with um, a liberal studies degree and I have a concentration in art and in mathematics. Um, so I have extra units in that. Uh, and also because I can't ever make up my mind, I did, you know, at least 15 units in child development as well, because early uh, early childhood education through Jumpstart, I knew that was important. Um, and in retrospect, I almost wish I would have done a major in child development. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. I, I have my degree. Um, and then recently, during the pandemic, I finished my master's degree in um, reading and language arts. Um, and then in conjunction with the master's, I also have a um, coaching li uh, license or credential, if you will. So, yeah, and it's my eighth year of teaching. Um, I've taught not too many grade levels. I've, I've mostly taught sixth grade. Um, but I did teach second, um, a second and third grade combo class and then a second grade class 
all through Fresno Unified. So, yeah, that's, I mean, my educational journey in a nutshell. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. And again, nonlinear, right? You had to try different things. You had to, um, you have multiple knowledge in like different, in multiple areas. So that's amazing. Congratulations on all your accomplishments, you know. I think that that's great. Um, And also, I love that you shout out, your shout out to Gladys, you know, as you, you both touched on this, that depending on your cultural background and who you are, sometimes you have different experiences in the school, right? But even in the same household, you have different experiences. And my sister and I are both in education as well, but in different ways, right? She is uh, in the working in the classroom. She has been for years and I'm removed from the classroom, but I still have that same passion for education. So, and we both grew up so differently. So I, I'm glad that you, that you are able to acknowledge, you know, how much she helped you and that you both had different paths, um, even growing up in the same household. Um, so you both touched on your career, uh, you know, on your experience with Jumpstart. And I guess, you know, I should say thank you, Gladys, for bringing Leslie into Jumpstart <laughs> because we always need amazing people. And um, I love that you were both in it. So can you tell us a little bit about your experience in Jumpstart? I know, Leslie, you touched on it a little bit, but um, just how that experience, you know, you said it helped you or it, like, it had something to do with you moving to education. So maybe touch a little bit more on that, um, Gladys. Yeah, sure. Um, absolutely. Um, I, I I know Leslie and I are you know still developing a relationship as you know now adult um, sisters, and and I really didn't know until she recently told me like, hey, you you helped me fill out the FAFSA, you know. And I am Leslie's older sister, um, but we also have uh, an older sister as well um, that really set um, the path for us and paved the way for us to to become first generation um, college grads, really. So um, so thank you, Priscilla, <laughs> for filling out that first FAFSA and then helping us out with like, you know, the pin with our parents and all of that. I, I had to give her a shout out as well, because like Leslie said, we were still in the same household. But, you know, my my parents had um, or our parents <laughs> had five children. And, um, you know, we we each helped each other out in 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 one sort in, in a way in some way or another. Um, so (laughs) yeah, that's important, right? Like I'm, I'm learning and and now I teach in my courses about navigational capital, right? What it is, um, uh, like what Stephanie is going to be teaching us about, um, cultural capital. And, and I, and I remember clearly, uh, going to the, the career development center, um, at my high school to be able to get help, um, to, to go to college. If that wasn't there, I, I don't know how we would have done it because that's, that's where Priscilla got help as well. So, so um, I hope that all high schoolers now have a career development center and have a support system to be able to do that, um, to get more, more of us to college, to, to find our way, right? Um, and then, you know, I'm learning about peer mentorship too. I know how important that is, but, but yeah, let me jump right into my, my experience with Jumpstart a little bit. Um, it's been quite a while. I don't know if you're going to put when I served. <laughs> But I received the president's letter in the snail mail back in 2006 <laughs> when I graduated high school. 
um, inviting me on. I think if that wouldn't have happened, I don't know that um, that I would have joined Jumpstart. I'm not sure that I would have known about it. So Jumpstart was my first job and my parents had to sign my contract. I still laugh about it today. <laughs> I was placed in Dakota Circle Head Start, which is near um, the Fresno State campus. And I got paired with this beautiful boy, Edwin. I just absolutely fell in love right away. And that was that is um, honestly one of my favorite um memories of Jumpstart, just being able to build that relationship, that genuine relationship with Edwin and his family. Um, and I remember that he just really loved cars. And I remember in all of our trainings, they told us to lean in on the child's interests, right? So we were always reading about cars and Lightning McQueen <laughs> and talking about cars. So if we weren't reading about cars, we were talking about cars or thinking about cars. <laughs> it all really was like around cars. But I know that that experience really helped me now with Leslie has three beautiful boys. And so I get to talk about cars with them. <laughs> It was good, good training to be a really good CI, I guess. Um, he was he was really bright. And, and that experience really made me realize that that I could have an impact on a little life. Right. Like, I mean, here I am as a um, 17 year old, you know, like uh, kind of sort of responsible for a child. And I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing, but like, you know what? I'm not bad at it. <laughs> uh, maybe I can do this. And so it it really. um made me decide to to make make a choice. So I went from like wanting to be uh, in criminology to like chemistry and was like, there's no way because I'm not amazing at math. So I um, changed my major um, after a few times to child development. So I got my bachelor's in child development with a practitioner option. So I was in a cohort with some other gals from Head Start, which really served as mentors for me. And, and that really was the, the catalyst to my current path in bilingual education. Um, like I said, there's like somewhat of a squiggling line in between there. But in, in 2016, I decided to go back to school after being a full-time nanny for a family of two adorable children for like over three years. I really didn't know what I was doing. I think my heart was yearning for more. Like, I think it was service. I, I think I felt like a tug, like some sort of call for service, right? And as you know, in 2016, you know, we legislation was passing in um support of bilingual education. So it was just really kind of impeccable timing for me, but I don't think it was really intentional on my end. I really didn't know what I was getting into, but I decided to apply for the the, the Master's of Arts uh, program in, in multilingual multicultural education at Fresno State. So I came back to my home community and um, obtained um, that master's, which I really didn't know what I was gonna do with, but during those two years there, um, I was working um, for the Fresno County, uh, uh, the Fresno County, now known as superintendent of schools, back then it was the Fresno County Office of Education, and they had a state-of-the-art, um, like brand new, uh, dual immersion preschool classroom, and I got to be in that classroom supporting as a bilingual assistant, um, and, and it was really amazing that I was able to whatever, to take whatever I was learning in the classroom, right, in my graduate school experience, and, and apply it in the classroom, which was really, um, I, we couldn't call it a lab school because it wasn't on a campus. It wasn't, you know, um, tied to, to, a, to a higher education institution, but we, it, it really was um, designed for that. It had the, the windows to observe in, to be able to, to make observations and, and reflect on what the children are doing and, and the, the really practices we were implementing because uh, working for them as well gave me um, an opportunity to learn about 
um, PLCs, right, or professional learning communities. So, um, yeah, I was I was gaining current relevant knowledge in, in EC courses, as well as being exposed to bilingual education practices and theories while I was working with emerging bilingual preschool students. And and I don't think at that time I really knew, but um, but now it's what what I really preach, <laughs> preach in my classrooms, because that's, that's really what I do. This is where I first learned about um, like intentional professional learning communities. And so I was part of the language, uh, the Fresno language project and learned about personal oral language learning strategies. And, and it's, um, it's really something that I apply now in my courses that I get to share with my students. I, I really believe that that Jumpstart helped set me up for success in this because the practices we were implementing um, supported a lot of the concepts that we learned in Jumpstart, like how to introduce a book to children before reading it out loud, right? And then specifically POLL, which again stands for Personal Oral Language Learning Strategies. There's a, a, a huge emphasis on utilizing a mentor text, right, to support vocabulary and oral language development, specifically for um, second language acquisition. So um, it was, it was, um, it was really good. We actually did an activity um, during that time that I do in my courses now that I provide for my students. And so we get to, like, in a sense, demystify some of the common stereotypes and myths behind learning two or more languages at once. Mm -hmm. um, you know, um, I don't know if you, you've experienced that, right? Or we talk about how, oh, no, it's going to confuse the children and mm -hmm. and. Yeah, well, now there's data, right, that that tells us, right, that there are benefits in children being exposed to more languages. The more, the better. I remember that from WIP, yeah. <laughs> from West Ed. Yeah, and the more, um, more often, right? And so it's really cool, too, that, like, um, Leslie and her family, they do this with their children. And so I love being able to see it and talk about it, but also apply it in, like, a real-life concept in that sense. And so I now I teach. I, I decided to, to leave the preschool classroom at some point um, after I graduated with my master's in 2018. I also obtained my, my child development permit in inside supervision, um, but decided that really the classroom wasn't wasn't where I needed to be to in a way kind of make change because you know I found some some passion for for policy and advocacy and while I'm still growing in that um, I love talking about it and and you know trying my best to be an ally to to um, grow in my journey as a professional um, in in anti-racist education you know if 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 um, if I can do any little bit um, you know I try since I have this kind of sort of position in power, which I never imagined myself being in. Um, as soon as I graduated from Fresno State, I was invited to, to teach one of the credential courses. So I, I, my name is next to professor or instructor of record on a syllabus, you know, that I had from the same institution. It's, it's really crazy. Um, I know I'm going to get emotional. Circle moment, right? <laughs> yes, yes. But I think it takes time for that pride to set in. You know, I think my mom had to say, oh, I was talking to your tia or, you know, your abuela or so-and-so. And, and I said, oh, yeah, um, you know, Gladys, um, the professor or la, la profesora, right? And so that's still that word or that term. Um, you know, I, I suffer imposter syndrome, I think, like most of us, I live with mental health. And so that gets kind of in my head. But when my mom said it, I think it really just, it hit me like, oh, yeah, like, 
soy profesora, you know, <laughs> and I tell my students to like, you know, yell their accomplishments at the top of their lungs. And I think I'm still struggling a little bit, but I know I have to practice what I preach. Like I said, I teach uh, phase one, multiple subject credential students. So I am in teacher preparation, but also in my work with the Title V grant, Enseñamos en el Valle Central, which is an initiative to um, help cultivate pathways for um, current and future bilingual teachers or educators. Um, now I teach in the bilingual authorization program, which is, you know, a credential that you can um, or a, an authorization that you can add to your multiple subject credential to to teach in dual immersion or bilingual settings. And um, I really just, again, I say that I preach because <laughs> it's kind of been, you know, my experience growing up, my leadership experience from from my family um, to to share transparently with my students, you know, about my my mental health and about how they can do hard things right but more specifically how their bilingualism is their superpower right so i know i'm kind of getting ahead with like what i guess my goals and my my dreams are for education um, but again i really didn't picture myself here there i didn't wake up one day set out saying oh i'm gonna be a professor you know in a bilingual education program for you know teachers um, um but but now that i'm here that you know i've been granted these blessings in a way, uh, my goal is really to empower all students to view their bilingualism as an asset um, and to really believe that. And I know that that has to do with our identity, our cultural identity, which oftentimes we don't get to explore until we get to college. And so, yeah, I just, I want these teachers, and I know Leslie does this, you know, through early literacy, through diverse children's texts. Um, we want our children to see themselves represented and to, to know that their voice is valuable and that it should be heard. So I'll stop there <laughs> for a minute. That's amazing. No, congratulations. I mean, I feel like, you know, a lot of the times, like you said, where we don't, when we hear like other people talking about us, it's like, oh, yeah, I, I'm that person who did all those amazing things. But you don't feel it because you're just like so busy doing and working and, you know, and, and getting through it that sometimes you don't like recognizing your own accomplishments, like takes you back when somebody else hears it. But of course, Professora, like, that's amazing, you know, to hear to be there and to hear your 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 family, your mom saying it out loud. That's uh, congratulations, and I'm so glad that you know Jumpstart is still playing a small role in 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 your uh, teaching. Uh, you know, in how you teach now because it's been you know a couple of years and and it's still uh, helping you in some way. So I love that. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, Leslie, do you want to share a little bit about your Jumpstart experience? Um, yeah, I didn't, I think Gladys, if, correct me if I'm wrong, but she went all the way up to like actually being team leader at her site, right? Uh, but maybe I'm wrong. No, yes, I did. You're right. And yeah. I you know I got a little off track when I was sharing. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. Um, so I, I never did that. I never pursued, you know, being a team leader at my site, but mostly it was because we had, you know, like I mentioned before, um, and she'd be an awesome person to hit up. I, I believe her name was Karina Harris. Um, and so, you know, if, if uh, we can try looking her up, I used to have her on social media, but then, you know, people change their media usage. But yeah. um, so she created, you know, our little community and everything. But my I think some of the biggest takeaways from uh, experiencing uh, um, 
being a team member for Jumpstart and having, you know, our buddies and stuff like that um, was uh, the face-to-face time with kids um, and, you know, preparing activities or sitting in circle time, um, you know, engaging with the children, which is huge because you, now that I'm a teacher and have been a teacher, you know, for eight years, I, I think like the most valuable experiences throughout my journey to becoming a teacher was being in space with kids. And so um, having that opportunity through Jumpstart, being able to, you know, support one child, but also su- support the teacher at the site um, just was really a valuable experience. Um, and so that uh, that was one of my biggest takeaways. I also had a lot of fun just working with young children. I think like I this will always be a core memory for me. Like I will never forget we were sitting at circle time and it was show and tell. And um, so it was uh, this one little boy and his name was Malachi and the teacher called him up and then she's like, Malachi, did you bring something to share? And so he walked over to the box picked out a toy and um he starts talking about it and and everyone in the circle's like ooh ah you know all the little kids are enjoying yes. the share out and then all of a sudden a little girl in the circle she burst out into tears and then we're like oh what's wrong and then she goes that's my toy that's what I brought to share <laughs> and you know we all were like you know, we kind of just paused for a second and, you know, they're, they're four-year-olds and five-year-olds, like they're little, right? And so instead of scolding him, the teacher, she, she chuckled, she comforted the child in need. And then she was like, Malachi, next time, just let us know that you didn't bring anything and then moved on. And I, I think like that, a little story always stuck with me because I feel like um, in early education, there's so many like joyful moments. And then as kids grow up and go through, um, you know, the system, then those moments are kind of rare. Or if you don't, um, if you don't foster that in your classroom, or if you're not, you know, always looking for all of those positive experiences and things, then they get kind of lost. And so, I, I think like that little anecdote from my jumpstart experience, you know, along with some others, um, I think has always just kind of instilled in me is like bring joy to your classroom. You know what I mean? And have that time where kids can express themselves and talk and um, feel heard and feel seen. And so I think that was just uh, one of the things that that stuck with me the most as well as the collaboration with my teammates. So, yeah, that that's that's one of the things I remember most, I guess. And that's an amazing story. I think you're right. The joy that gets lost as we get older and like higher um, grade levels. It's all about like you have to learn this. You have to pass this test. You have to, you know, remember and whatever. And you get so stuck on that that you lose those moments of joy. And I'm glad that I mean, I'm sure that you foster those in your own classroom. And I I feel like that's uh, that's what we all hope for, to be heard, to be seen and to be um to be acknowledged as a person, right? No matter how old you are. Yeah. 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 So that's amazing. Thank you for sharing that. And you, well, I mean, I I said, I hope you still do it in your classroom, but you said you, you know, that's something that sticks with you and you want to foster that. So can you tell us a little bit about your experience now as a teacher and, and what that's like? 
Yeah. So um, it's been kind of weird the last, you know, three years, right? Because uh, um, almost three school years ago, we shut down because of the pandemic. And so, but prior to, um, there's a lot of work that I I had to do um, individually as a person uh, because um, teacher preparation programs don't necessarily always give you all the right tools. And so you are expected to write lesson plans and do all of these things that that take time, but you know, where the real work comes in is like in getting to know your students and in making sure that you have the, the discernment to to pick the the right um, lessons, activities and text um, to help them grow and learn. And I've been very fortunate because I've worked with um, two different like population types, if you will. Um, you know, when I first started teaching, I worked at what I what I would say would be um, more of a representation of what schools are like um, in Fresno Unified. You know, there was a lot of diversity. There was a lot of um, different types of families um, in different um, socioeconomic classes, you know, um, but the community there was wonderful. There was so much to celebrate and cherish and uh, learn. Um, and then I switched schools and I've been there for like, I guess the uh, bigger part of my career. Um, and this school is totally different. There's a huge uh, PTO presence. Um, there's a huge parent presence in general. Um, and there's a lot of amazing things that 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 go along with that, as well as difficult things that go along with that. Um, and so uh, generally speaking, I feel like I've had a really positive educational career. Um, and, and I think it comes from both my perspective as a teacher, like, hey, these kids um, were entrusted to me, so we're going to do the best that we can so that when they leave this classroom, they are a better version of themselves than when they came in, you know, in all aspects of their life, social, emotional, academic, you know, and, and just in general, like, how can we make sure that these kids are better people? And in, throughout the years, I, I've just made it a point to make sure that I'm reading, um, you know, uh, how effective strategies are and learning more and more um, and also just trying things and seeing what works for my kids and what doesn't work for my kids. Uh, but overall, it it's just been growing and growing and growing and it doesn't stop because education is shifting and I feel like we're we're going to move away from, you know, that old schoolhouse mentality or my hope is that we move away from that old schoolhouse mentality to just really um, taking into consideration the whole child and just making sure that that, you know, we're not just doing things um, like we always have for the sake of doing things like we always have. Uh, and, and I think that that um, me being in the classroom or continuing to be in the classroom is is kind of where my heart is at right now to be able to do that. And um, through Gladys's experiences, she asked me to speak. at um, I think it was like two semesters, I, I got to speak with uh, or share my um, educational journey with her college students, right, her aspiring teachers. And um, I, 
uh, it was really nerve wracking because I, I can speak to kids all day, but like when it comes to adults, it gets really scary, right? Because I think we just, we automatically think like, oh, there's going to be that judgment. And so she invited me and she was like, Hey, just share with them, you know, some of the stuff that you do or like who you are as a teacher. Um, and it was super cool because I, I don't think, I mean, aside from your master teacher in the credential program, I don't think you really get to connect. Um, there are some programs that are developing. So where you can network like residency programs that we have at Fresno Unified, but, but overall, um, just it, it, being able to speak uh, to them and tell them like my journey, I, I feel like I think one of our students asked a question about like, oh, how do you balance your life and being a teacher? And, you know, those are all the things that like you you don't know, like no one guides you through. And so when they ask that, you know, it's a simple answer. It's like you you just do. But but, you know, it's not simple because everyone is in a different place in their life. Right. And so being able to share with them, like all the stuff that, you know, I've done and gone through and uh, work towards, um, you know, in anti-racist education, in um, in bringing more um, cultural awareness to a school that's, you know, um, heavily populated with um, more uh, more uh, more white population than anything else. Um, So bringing cultural awareness in that, you know, there's been some difficult moments, but then also like there's moments that will pay off forever right you get to learn you know where the community stands on certain issues and then you get to talk to their kids about things that they're wondering about but they haven't had a safe space to discuss and and so um just I I I mean I don't know what else to say I feel like it's just a it's a good it's a good time to be a teacher as well as it's a bad time to be a teacher you know it's not it's not going to be black and white. It's it's a difficult job, but um, it's an important job. And we need more people um, with, you know, a good head on their shoulders and, and that and that like um, open mind, um, that respect and love for humanity, um, those, those kind of people in front of kids. Yeah. And so. For sure. And I think you're right. It's it's so hard. It's it's always going to be a gray area and there's going to be a lot of rewarding moments, but also a lot of difficult moments, especially with a pandemic. So many things changed. And um, you're right. I hope, too, that we can move past that like old school way of thinking. And I feel like having you both you know, with your students, representation matters. And for them to see these like two Latinas doing their thing, being badasses, like that's awesome, you know? And they're like, yes, I can do it. If they can do it, you know, I can do it. But they can also get advice from you because a lot of the times we don't have that at home as you know, you both know that it's, it's really hard. So I, I appreciate you both being there in the classroom. And as, as we're speaking about our hopes, uh, you know, for the future, can you share a little bit about uh, what, do you, what do you hope for the future of teaching and education? Uh, Gladys, you want to go first? Yeah, I think I had shared a little bit before, right? Like if I could, you know, print out a T-shirt says my bilingualism is my superpower and, you know, <laughs> hand it out to everyone. I think I do would. it. Let's do it. <laughs> I know. Right? <laughs> I just don't know if a T-shirt's enough right now, you know, with the way of the world and, you know, Leslie talking about, you know, COVID. And thank you so much, Leslie, for for your willingness and for coming to talk and, and speak so candidly with the students. You know, this was a, 
a phase one multiple subject credential course that, you know, had to be virtual because of the pandemic. And these students were struggling kind of finding their their place in the world in the credential program and you know just um, social emotional learning and a sense sense of belonging is really important to me and so I'm really glad that that Leslie was was able to to provide that for them because I I I couldn't in the beginning I think I struggled connecting with them because you know I, I I didn't know what they were going through or at least I thought I didn't know what they were going through right because I, I myself live with mental health. I, I was diagnosed with panic disorder in my last year of high school. And it's a part of my identity. And a huge part of our course is like an autobiography project that we do to dig into our cultural identities. And so I can't hide that from my students. Like it's almost like practically impossible. So I'm really honest and transparent about it. You know, the, the moment that I can um, I share strategies with my students for coping with anxiety, for implementing mental, mental health practices and, and combating the imposter syndrome, which which I do daily. Right. Because I <laughs> I live with it. <laughs> so Leslie referenced, um, you know, developing lesson plans. It's a huge part of the credential program in, in, in the teacher preparation journey. But I'm really just trying to instill in my students quality lesson plan literacy. Right. Which, again, ties a lot to like the core values of jumpstart and the experiences that we had with jumpstart being able to develop and create an authentic intentional lesson plan that centers you know your students or uh, culturally and linguistically sustaining pedagogies um, is one thing but you being able to implement it right to be able to come into somebody else's house right so that's what I, that's what I refer to as these classrooms their communities coming to somebody else's community and and sharing your story being vulnerable like I uh, my students, you know, at the end of the semester will thank me for for speaking about my mental health, because for a lot of them, it's the first time they've ever maybe seen someone uh, or heard someone talk about it, because in our culture, it's it's like taboo or, you know, it's very much, uh, again, not, not sponsored, but, you know, we don't talk about Bruno, no, no, you know. <laughs> So uh, <laughs> it's it's something that needs to be talked about. And so like like to what Leslie's point, um, I think I, I we were in survival mode for a long time. Right. And we were still kind of, you know, in residual stages of that by creating those safe spaces for my students to be able to share the their feelings about bringing in authentic, uh, real um, teachers in the districts that they may be um, working in and hearing their story. And like, I think it's just really amazing. My students had several questions and Leslie remembers like the one, how do you balance work and school life, right? Because I think we were all kind of struggling that when the lines got blurred, when work came home and it never left home, you know, like the students needed to know they needed permission. And so like I did, I think I just took the initiative to give them permission to, to unplug to like shut it down. Like I almost had to make it a homework assignment. Right. And so I have created some like handouts or um, I have several presentations to help support this idea of what is self-care and and combat this idea that it's selfish. Because again, I feel, I feel we hear this in, 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 in the teaching profession a lot. You can't give from an empty cup, right? But we can say that all day long. We can even print it on a t-shirt if we want, right? But I think what they need is like practical um, life solutions applicable, you know, like something they can take and apply to their life now so that they can um, 
promote, uh, improve their mental health. And so I, I don't know if I got off topic there, but um, promote relationship building, like Leslie said, like I have to practice uh, or show them what a genuine relationship is so that they can do it as well with their students, but also extend it to their students' families, right? And in order to do that, you have to know the community that you serve. And so we have a huge emphasis on um, well, our, our teacher preparation programs have different focuses. One of them, one of the newest one is trauma-informed practices, which I think is really important for, for especially our Latino community, our Latinx community, but just uh, relationship building as well as community and civic engagement, creating those safe spaces to discuss heavy topics or, or welcome questions, right? Uh, we are like breaking generational trauma and trying to create um, generational wealth. Um, th these students just need to recognize their, their cultural capital. And so my, I know that was long, long-winded, but my advice that I would give anyone who wants to become a teacher or work in the education field is very simply do it, right? Like Leslie said, she gave you a lot of pointers, figure out if it's really what you want to do, because it's all about the children. It really is and should be all about the children. We know we have a broken system, but if you have a holistic approach, do it. There's a huge need for you right now, especially if you're an educator of color, if you're multilingual, if you have a passion for our youth and believe in their ability to shape the future. We need teachers who reflect the lived experiences of the students they serve, who look like them. So uh, I'm not here to recruit. <laughs> I, I didn't intentionally recruit Leslie to Jumpstart. Like, I don't work for Jumpstart as a recruiter. But those experiences are so rich and they will help guide you in making your decision and where you want to go. There are beautiful children out there who need you as their yes. as their teacher, as their mentor. And I get to be a coach now, too. So when somebody calls me a femtor, that's another like imposter <laughs> title. But sharing stories is is testimonios y pláticas is so powerful do it do it and I think in a sense that is the hope for the future right of education that we're changing that um, old school way of thinking as Leslie was saying and that we move to a more like holistic approach of cultural backgrounds and what people are dealing with and breaking those taboos and generational trauma, like you said. So that is a great hope for the future and great advice. Um, Leslie, do you want to talk a little bit about what your hopes are and any any uh, advice or tips you would like to give any future teachers? Yeah, so I think um, my hope for the future of education is just to um, dismantle the system <laughs> I know I was you thought I was going to say write something. that on a t-shirt let's make a t-shirt <laughs> you t -shirt. thought I was going to say something else but um I think like one of the things that's really important in uh combating you know um racism or like a Eurocentric curriculum you know we have started making steps towards that um we we have access and resources uh more and more as days go by we have people doing all this heavy lifting you know um and so uh, I think like two of the biggest things that uh, essentially need to either change or go away are high stakes uh, standardized testing. And then um, we also need to shift to more equitable grading because, uh, you know, in American culture, I feel like everywhere you go, there's just this very high, like almost uh, um, honor to be a student that can um, work within the system and quote unquote succeed by achieving uh, 4.0, right? Um, and so uh, considering that a lot of these 
things were put in place to um, suppress the uh, education of uh, groups like uh, people of color or, you know, um, Mexican people in California, you know, with all of the the legislature um, with the Mendez family and, and the Lemon Grove incident and all those like historical events that led to desegregation of, of schools here in California, you know, all that stuff, um, you know, we, we can continue to fight, but like we have to really think about how can we shift from putting so much emphasis on things that don't matter for kids, things that don't um, help them or build them up as people or prepare them to to live healthy lives or to live uh, lives where they find themselves worthy, you know, because a lot of their worth as students is often tied to those things that um, I personally and I know other educators agree don't find useful or helpful for them. And so all all of those things need to go away. So I hope to someday, you know, maybe um, I know change doesn't happen fast, but by the time I retire, I'm hoping that, you know, instead of high stakes testing, we have a more um, equitable way of of seeing students uh, grow. Right. Because it shouldn't be, you know, we're asked to differentiate. There's like a meme out there that says, oh, we're asked to differentiate. But then, boom, here, everyone take this one test and it's not tailored to you, even though, you know, I was required to do that for you. And so but aside from that, you know, those are big things that that, you know, will take um, a lot of people to change. But aside from that, just um, I think this goes with my advice too. like when you have kids in front of you, know that you have impact that, you know, you have to you have to uh, be careful with um, what you say and what you do, because you are building them up as people. Um, they are in your classroom um, preparing for the adult they're going to become. And so um, my advice to future teachers would be just remember it's not easy work. Um, you know, uh, money wise, you know, if we get into that, you know, that's a whole nother thing that should change yes. as well. But, you know, don't don't. Um, just because we've been uh, sort of brainwashed into thinking that we do it for the kids, we do it for the kids, but your your time and your expertise um, is valuable. And so you should be compensated. Um, not to say don't do well with your class uh, uh, just because of compensation purposes, like do well with them because, you know, you love the work that you do. But um, but if if you're if it's in your heart to become a teacher, um, know that hopefully there are better days ahead because there's so much shift in thinking. And I think educators are starting to realize. And then all the new generations, you know, if they have professors like Gladys who are, you know, emphasizing all the important things that matter to them so that we have sound, healthy people in front of children um, that aren't being, you know, stressed out over a bunch of things that, you know, essentially are not important for kids. Um but just love your kids, you know, um, I think it was like Dr. Holly, um, he wrote a book on culturally responsive teaching or several versions of it. And he does training. Um, and I learned from him, he said, um, love children outrageously and, and, uh, give outrageous love to kids. Right. And, and with that, you know, comes like, make sure that if you're an educator that you validate kids, right. Validate them for who they are, what they're coming in with, 
um, and and um, and then go from there. That's your that's your starting point, not some number um, that you got, you know, based on some test. Um, really get to know the kids and and their families because it's a partnership, right? It's re- it's reciprocal. You you teach and you learn because you're both putting in. Um, and in order for kids, especially kids, to to put in the work, they have to understand that they're loved and cared for and they belong in the community. And so, um, and just love your kids outrageously is, is my advice. Uh, perfect. That That's just, yeah, perfect. And I love, I love that y'all shouted out each other and your older sister. <laughs> and I know throughout our, our conversation, you also mentioned a couple of their professors and teachers that made an impact on you. And like, like you said, Leslie, teachers do have an impact, whether it's positive or negative. So know that either way, you're having an impact on the children. So try to make it a positive one. Um, so for our last, you know, just question, would you like to shout out any other teacher? Um, we are, you know, celebrating Teacher Appreciation Week, and we appreciate you both for your service for Jumpstart and for, you know, still being a teacher, professor, and um, staying in the fight. <laughs> so is there anyone you would like to shout out? I, I have a few teachers um, that I would love to shout out. Um uh, in high school, I took four years of French with Madame O'Hanian. So Eileen, she was like a huge uh, uh, person that impacted my life. Um, and actually, to this day, we still talk um, and um, we see each other at least once a year. Um, and I would say that that's one person that I think um, showed me outrageous love and showed me that I could be more than what I thought I could be. Um, I have uh, another teacher, Miss uh, Miss Roberts. Um, she uh, was my art teacher for four years. Well, actually more because she taught art in middle school and then she followed me in high school. I say she followed me, but I think, you know, she just had a job change and ended up uh, at my high school. Um, yeah. And then aside from that, um, you know, uh, the work of um, Paulette Fleming at Fresno State, um, she, she I think, um, has actually passed away, um, but um, her impact through her service uh, learning work, like uh, when we took her class, how to teach art at, at the elementary level, and then her opening up the opportunity for us to work in communities and teach kids arts on the week, art on the weekends, um, that uh, will always stick with me. Um, and and yeah, those those are those are uh, three people that I could think of that just are really influential and um, have shaped the way that I think about education. And then I also want to shout out my husband because my husband's a teacher. <laughs> um, and so he um, he is a really um, awesome. I, I think if you're fortunate enough to marry someone that's also an educator, um, it it's it's definitely beneficial for growth. I bounce ideas off of him. Um, we have conversations about things and, um, and we share strategies and, and we work together, you know, obviously like we're not, we're not trying to bring work home all the time, but, um, but it's good to have someone that understands the work that you're in. And, and I just very much look up to him and I know that he works, um, really hard for his students too. Um, and it's cool to to just be with someone that has a vision for for education and the future um, and, and it's shared. Right. So, yeah, I love that. Yes. Shout out <laughs> to him. <laughs> yeah. What about you, Glennis? 
Oh my gosh, I think the list would be long, right, Maria? But I definitely have to honor, you know, my sister and her husband, of course, Mr. and Mrs. Maigana. Thank you so much for your service. Muchas gracias de veras. For me personally, I'm gonna I'm gonna choose one person because again, I shared earlier that I had that one mentor in in um, middle school. Um, so. Oh, you froze, Gladys. Yeah, you froze again. So we didn't hear oh. anything. <laughs> I am going to turn off the video because I think that slows it down. Can you hear me now? Yes. Mm -hmm. So the one teacher that really impacted my life personally was Mrs. Rinkenberger at Wawona Middle School, which is now Wawona K through 8 school. Um, but while I was there, she was my science teacher and science was my passion. Um, she started the Planet Animal Club and got us outdoors and we got our hands dirty. And so um, she really kind of uh, changed my perspective on, on education and what it could be, uh, which really kind of shaped like this passion and love that I have now for the Reggio Emilia approach um, for early childhood education. And so I bring that up because I feel like that was very relevant and make that connection because the next person I want to shout out is Dr. Horsley. Um, Dr. Heather Horsley is originally from Chicago, but she serves now as the multiple subject credential coordinator at Fresno State. And she um, was with me and two other gals. We did a um, faculty-led study abroad to Reggio Emilia in Italy. And I, I feel like that's still kind of a dream. Like, yes, it happened because I was so privileged to be able to do it. But that was one of the things that I set out to do in graduate school that I regretted not doing in undergrad, right? Study abroad. Uh, oftentimes, I think a lot of us think we can't do it because it's expensive or um, it's just not for us. But there are scholarships and there are ways to do it. And I was very fortunate to be able to go to Italy with her and learn from her perspective. She's just so forward thinking. And now she's my supervisor, <laughs> right? So I made that connection. So thank you so much, Dr. Horsley, along with her, Dr. Anna Soltero Lopez, um, who is the coordinator of the bilingual authorization program, I have to thank her as well. Um, she was the first woman I saw with like, you know, these glasses and a top bun that like looked like me. And I, I keep sharing this story, like never did I think, oh, I'm going to be her one day. But but here I am today, right? And that story means so much to me that I, I love sharing it because I'm hopeful that one day, you know, somebody sees themselves hopefully reflected in me or in Leslie, right? And then they come, I get to tell my students, like, this could be you, right? <laughs> um, but I'm also a coach, right? So in teacher prep, I am um, responsible for seven residents. So I want to honor them by name very quickly. Muchas gracias, Mario, Juliana, Yadira, Nicole, Stephanie, Lydia, y Brenda, you know who you are. Um, thank you so much for, for your hard work and your passion and your dedication um, going into teaching. Hopefully they'll be in the their own classrooms as early as you know um, the fall this August. I know they're all nervous and taking their RICA and completing their 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 final um, teaching sample project, but they also have amazing support, right? One of those being um, La Maestra Erika Ramirez, who happens to be um, my nephew's teacher. Um, so thank you so much, uh, Maestra Ramirez, Maestra Butler, Maestra Garcia, Maestra Figueroa, Maestra Ayon, Maestra Carmona, and Maestra Velar for for your mentoring of these students, um, you are really just helping us um, 
get these teachers in the classrooms to to support our students and so thank you for your mentorship and your service um, i'm sure there's a lot more <laughs> teachers i missed but i just want to put out a general call i know it's teacher appreciation week but you do so much hard work all year long all the time we appreciate you every day um, and um, yeah stay strong i know it's a, these are difficult times but we appreciate you and and we we all love you the same um as your students do. So thank you. Muchas gracias. I love it. Amazing. Thank you so much, both of you, for joining me today. I feel so privileged to have been able to have this conversation with you both and to hear your story. And, um, you know, we have so many alumni who have amazing stories and journeys. So, you know, I hope that we are able to hear their stories in the future as well. But thank you both so much for sharing yours. And um, we I hope this is not the last time that we connect and, you know, make sure that we connect soon and that we if you need anything, please feel free to reach out. Um, and we are here for you. You have a, a national alumni network behind you. So uh, thank you again. I appreciate you both. Thank you so much, Maria. Thank you, Maria. I'll be at that workshop. I'm really excited about that.